0: And welcome to the Dicer Screen Podcast. Oh, not a healthy sounding. A little, little
1: more traditional. Yowl, howl. Dice howl. It was it's yowl. A, a yowl. A yowl, yowl and a howl. A yowl. A yowl. The dicer yowling. The dicer are
0: yowling. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a certain ring to it. Hey, how you doing? I'm Randy. I'm Mike, reputedly. Yeah, yeah we're the two half work bards, armpit percussion. Specialized our way through gaming podcasting. <laughs> oh, far from it. <laughs> we are merely the sly procurers
1: of gaming podcasts. Oh. <laughs> Up to no good in your neighborhood. <laughs> Random city encounters.
0: <laughs> well, you know. Thank a you, old school furby's. DM guide. So, yeah, we're going to start out with uh, Dungeon 23. I am I'm embarrassed to say I am behind. I am three rooms behind. I wanted to get it out here, so I'm going to give. Well, um... you did get stuck with like,
1: you know, uh, an extra two weeks, man. I mean, you you had. Yeah, more to... but
0: I was up to I was up to today, so uh, I got uh, I got a little work to do. I've got uh, some uh, a strange little cult going on in this side corner here, but I've got most of it done with some fun. Uh, there's a goblin king in there uh, who is holding most of the level hostage at this point with uh, some hobgoblin mercenaries. Ah, um, he's hired some extra muscle. Well, you know, not to the counts. This is for first level, so I'm not trying to annihilate anything. But I wanted to set up a nice intro, so I'm going to turn this over to Mike next week, and then uh, hopefully he can catch up. The couple of days, I don't think it'll be a big thing. Oh, so I uh, the wandering monstering tables. I included a white ape. In there. Interesting. Know, and, yeah. Uh, up above? No, below. This is a second one. This is the sub level of level one. So, we're actually getting into so the, the dungeon carnivorous so, yeah. ape variant. Yeah, this is from the basic or uh, the the basic set. I'm I'm just using strict basic rules for this one. So okay. I mean, if you want to have the other ones, I have the advanced uh, OSE, which contains a lot of the monsters like a hook horror or large scorpions, and different uh, assortments of spiders and monsters.
1: I should peruse that again
0: because I, I
1: yeah, I'll, I'll we'll we'll get the. Uh, I've got to enhance my monster creativity. No, 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 it's
0: getting more complex as we, you know, like delve level by level. So yeah. Like, and so, uh, like, I have a room with uh, two a conjurer, third level wizard, and a second level one, and uh, he's very to keep them from just sleep blasting the party. I've decided that uh, in their hubris, they have decided to just start charming as many humans as or potential allies as they can. Ah. So, the, and which will give a party's a fighting chance, I think for low levels and also kind of uh, like in their hubris they have may have underestimated their potential opponents coming in here and they've also in in a uh, a group of a cur- uh, second level cleric and a group of first level clerics with them and uh, that uh, that they have a if they do manage to get a sleep spell off Uh, Their intentions are to charm as many of the characters as possible or persuade them to go and recruit the uh, bandits (laughs) living above or eliminate the goblins. (laughs) Magical pyramid scheme. (laughs) Hey,
1: you'll get a gold star that you can wear if you just bring in each one of you, find Two new recruits, and you rise to the next
0: level. Well, yeah, but it gives. <laughs> I know. I,
1: I. I'm, serious. I'm just. I'm, I'm, I'm
0: trying to make it so that we're just I'm not kidding. using, relying on the sleep spell to to blast everybody in oblivion. So. Oh well,
1: yeah. At low levels, uh, sleep is
0: a butt kicker.
1: Uh, that is, it is problematic for the DM to make the appropriate use of a sleep spell in the hands of an enemy, uh, without wiping the first little party. You all take a very sudden nap. <laughs> and <laughs> you you don't wake up on the right
0: side of the dirt TPK no so dude that was like five this week <laughs> So I got to top level so I'll, I'll have the pictures posted and hopefully by Sunday I'll have the rest of them count up so I'll turn it over to Mike next week. All right so what do you think of the top level what is, what I put on here I put on?
1: Oh now in particular I, I love uh, the crater zone. Which I thought was a nice creative thing that, like, this is remnant damage that uh, indicates where some calamitous event unknown to the players.
0: Yeah, we don't know yet. We have a smashed
1: plan. like through a large portion of, you know, like some meteoric impact or enormous blast has punched right through down into the earth.
0: And it's called the pit because we all fall in the pit. <laughs> you fell into the pit. Oh, it yeah, it's an 80 foot fall, so it puts everybody out of the 50 foot rope zone. If you really want to go down to the fourth level, <laughs> by all means, help yourself. Yeah,
1: uh, you can fast track your way down,
0: but uh, recommended is
1: using some of the
0: other entrances. But we have the necropolis over here, the well, and I mean uh, Mike may put another one over here on the uh, nobles and priest quarters oh what uh, another entrance yeah i had one here uh in the uh, oh. up here on the cigarette there's a secret door with a room in the close down
1: yeah i had one in the residence quarter uh, oh okay like encounter e or listed area e uh was like you know the, the bottom of that well uh there is a passage that can lead down one level and one level only
0: right that's where it hits that's right here. so we've provided a couple Locations you did
1: more than one means of the ziggurat will be
0: somewhere up on this corner here. So Uh, we're just sharing with you guys. I know you can't see where we're pointing on a map, but I might can, so he knows what. Yeah,
1: so we're just taking our time to confer and to like think, do it on air
0: here. So, like, uh, you know, um, the Hobgoblin Mercenaries dimly lit hall, single lantern on table provides light for three surly Hobgoblin Mercenaries. Paid by the Goblin King in Area 4. They demand tribute of five silver from all passing. In truth, the P is three silver, but they keep the excess, which the fat Goblin King is aware of, but does nothing about for now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little guard graft is acceptable. Well, we're talking about hobgoblins here. Yeah. <laughs> what are they going to do? Uh, the door is kept south by the hobgoblins who pound on the door and say something in Goblin. We're not going to reveal that. So, if oh, Clever... Arc. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but
1: hey, Rube,
0: they have hidden their purloined toll in a barrel, supported supporting one end of the table, a former door. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I what uh, did for fifteen rooms. So With the above level, I was a little like, there's there's some kobolds up here, kill them or don't. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> Unarmed and mostly harmless. No, All no, right, I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, I've actually encountered a few deadly kobold encounters. Oh, I've, 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 uh, some people have have exercised great creativity in giving them uh, the the tools necessary to be particularly dangerous. But uh, <laughs> Tucker's kobolds, yeah, they are. They. Uh, it is one of the most undignified deaths any player can suffer. Wait, I was killed by kobolds? Ow. Well, <laughs> that, I don't know. It actually hurts. <laughs> it stings more than a regular death. <laughs>
0: uh. I don't know. It's uh, Pathfinder's approach to goblins. I used to say goblins were the death, but, man, those uh, little vicious psychos, I'm killing eggs. I, that can actually really happen. I mean, like. Totally didn't even plan that until they come up there with their old, uh dog slicers and uh, <laughs> alchemical fire and yeah. They're... Oh yeah.
1: Pathfinder, uh, you know, revamped the concept of the goblin nicely. Uh, gave them a little more
0: character, you know? Yeah. They kind of, and you know, now they're a core character but that coincides with what we're talking about today. So we'll put a pin in that one and pull it later. Yeah. But well, so what's, what are we going to do for next episode? So Oh, consult the astrogallamancer.
1: Yes, let us consult that guy, the astrogallamancer. Yes. Well, <laughs> oh, there's a lot that. of syllables in that one, but aha. Uh... Uh-huh. Okay, the astrogallamancer gazes into the clickety clackety math rocks that make him so happy. Aha, uh-huh. and he divines from dice that we're looking at next week. Pay to play DMing. Oh, just right. a little pick apart and examination of some of the, the issues. Don't look for a really firm like, oh, absolutely not, or oh hell yes. Uh, you know, this this uh-huh. is just gonna be us talking about uh the way we each look at this evolving concept.
0: Yeah, from virtual tabletops to uh, real life encounters—it's become a thing lately, and it know. is a thing now. And I mean, you know, <laughs> we're not
1: going to stomp on it and say no. like, "No, you know," like there, this is not a gatekeeping thing.
0: All right, that just totally happened.
1: Oh, okay, random Santa—you
0: saw it too, right?
1: <laughs> I wasn't going to trust my brain, but if you've seen it as well, then I, I didn't just have some kind of like stroke episode. I
0: yeah, I was like an LSD flashback. I just saw two
1: folks. We're not kidding. Uh, Santa Claus just walked down the street past the window that we are like sitting next to as we discuss this, uh, and there was a moment of
0: shock, uh, and <laughs> I, I guess. That's a thing. And they're Halloween elf. Yeah, Halloween clad elf. So okay. Yeah. But yeah, so back that, to the episode, folks. Uh yeah, you... we're not here putting we return cast... you to our regularly scheduled podcast.
1: We're not putting Owsley's old original LSD in our coffee. I swear <laughs> to God. Okay. This we're not like three, we're not three edibles in or anything like that. I promise you. This Ooh. is this podcast is being done stone cold sober, and that just happened anyway. So <laughs> People walk down the street in Santa Claus <laughs> a couple <of> years. <laughs> Santa Claus has walked down the street all the time. <laughs> it's right mm. up there with cows turning inside out. Yep. But anyway.
0: <laughs> so what do you it's, call it's, Officer Barbrady? So um <sighs> so yeah, so yep, yeah, we'll be talking about beta play uh D D D DMing, uh virtual on the virtual tabletops, as well as you know, in some of the real life stuff, and that's a little bit more tabloid-esque. I want to don't want to touch on some of that, but uh, we all know where some of the, um, was it College Humor who put out that uh real life dungeon mastering? What it's really like? Yeah, <laughs> they they hire a dominatrix. Ugh. How oh, else the one Venn diagram crossover between the B and D community and Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> oh yeah, the uh, the Venn diagrams. Yes, the
1: intersectionality. I I love Venn diagrams. They're they're very funny. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of humor potential that people have made good use of, and I love a good meme. Uh, but yeah, that's the topic. We're going to have a little pick apart of the the follies and foibles and the kind of evolving usefulness and blessings. You know, there are, there is far more than one facet to that topic.
0: Hmm, okay. So.
1: Uh, and it is a fact of modern life.
0: So we should unflinchingly at least offer it examination. Right on. So, all right, I guess it's time to bust into a new feature. W.O.G.L. News. <opian music> right. I feel like Ted Koppel. After uh, Nightline became a thing. And uh, for <laughs> anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, which probably includes most folks, uh, back during the Iran hostage crisis back in the, oh. the 80s, they used to have a recap at the end of, uh, after the local news at 11. Uh, they would have a recap uh, mostly by ABC, it, well, it was exclusive by the ABC, where they would recap all the events that had happened between now or between uh, 6.30 30 dinner time news. And, you know, the end of the day, and that went on for about three, four months, and they decided to change it and talk about other things, too, because, well, the, we weren't in the 24 news cycle. And I kind of feel like that is with this podcast is uh, how we want to do the W.O.G.L. news. And rather, yes, we will be talking about a lot about the O.G.L., but also other game. Right there, bud? Yeah. Okay. Um, I have glottal air. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm kidding. I our Ancient quote from Freakazoid. The narrator
0: was arguably funnier than the whole cartoon. All right. But anyway, back to the uh, WOGL topic. So we're going to bring it up is uh, while on the apology tour, Kyle Brink <laughs> continues to make uh, a nuisance of himself. Or, well, hey, hey but, I like that uh, we put up on my path. Pe- I don't know if I got it over to the Dice of Screaming page, but uh, Ginny D's interview with him and uh, that was a surprising one so did you get a chance to look at that i did not oh yeah she was a little uh surprised as they took it because she said that uh, you're not going on she made some very specific demands you're not going to uh um ask i'm not going to ask any questions i'm not going to prep you on any of the questions i'm going to ask them to you at this time and uh you're we're not going to softball them in and you're also not going to take this content for your own it's going to be mine and mine only and she said surprisingly they gave in so this does show that i think wizards is honest in trying to get a fair assessment of what's going on but also make their uh, apology to her now we alluded a little bit about the well, uh, I, I think they understand that you know the perception is that anything that
1: they have complete control over uh yeah. and it the spin that emerges therefrom is viewed as completely sus. Whereas, if they send out the sacrificial guy, and they, you know, like, you're going to sit there and take it, dude. <laughs> like,
0: I, Yes, Mr. Gatlin. Don't drop until, like, round six. Okay? <laughs> Come on, son. I didn't call this company a hard eight for nothing. So get out there.
1: <laughs> Splash a little water in his face, you know. Uh, keep going, kid. Uh, to go out there, and, like, no holds barred, answer questions and like be grilled is worthy of some small measure of respect. That doesn't mean that I accept all of his responses as accurate though, but I re- I respect the fact that like they're going about it the right way. You've got to get in there and mix it up. You're going to have to take some lumps playing the like, we only want to remain in our lofty perch safe from criticism. You do that. People are just going to hate you more so that I don't disagree with, where they're going right now uh they've got to because you know some damage was done and they are still undoing it i hope that uh, this works out for them and uh, i i am i i am having lingering concerns over the long-term financial well-being uh,
0: of wotc oh yeah i think that uh you know, what we're probably witnessing right now with uh, their magic. I mean, I did have one more nuanced conversation and kind of flinched from using that word. But I. And there's no other way to put it. Uh, yeah, I had a conversation about um, a, mag- was a magic reel, Taylor, about it. And he kind of informed me why there were so many releases last year. And uh, the, Because they had a backlog of material. Because it takes them about two years to develop each expansion. And now they're going to return to their more normal quarterly um, production schedule. Which I think <laughs> that they're also starting to realize that they've got about just about as much money as they can out of both communities. Yeah, I mean, what they're staring at is that they
1: are were releasing so much material that it was lowering the amount the amount that people could purchase uh which in turn you know <laughs> uh, if you make it difficult for newer younger players to engage uh you're chasing off your long-term healthy marketplace you know you, you need that continual influx of new players or you become oh that's the game that old people play uh which i, I I know it's a personal experience and it's not relevant, okay? It's not, I can't vouch safe this as accurate data nationwide. But I gotta say, I go down to the comic shop, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Night uh, is gargantuan. Okay, you want to see wall-to-wall bodies? Go on Yu-Gi-Oh! Night. Uh, <laughs> which, oh, dreadful to me. I, you know, just not my zone. For sure. sure. But Magic Night... Much smaller crowd, and that was worrying. You know, that set off a little alarm bell in my head that said, "That, that's not a good sign." That I I don't see a lot of youthful faces at the table for the magic night. So, you know, hopefully that's a situation that change uh, that changes very quickly. Yeah, we went over to make some inroads into making the game. A little more new arrival friendly.
0: Uh, yeah, I, we went over to Kalamazoo a couple of weeks ago, and uh,
1: oh, th- good. Th- on
0: during you. Uh, we went over to Odyssey Games, I think it was. Yeah, Odyssey Games, and they uh, they had Magic playing during the middle of a uh, Saturday or, or Sunday afternoon, actually, perfect. And uh, they had a pretty good crowd over there. But of course, it's a bigger venue over in K Z. You got uh, West. Oh Michigan. God, yes, uh, with the university handy. I mean, you know.
1: It's the one tragedy of our little Berg is that, uh, like not having a significant university
0: presence. I did, I did notice also their Pathfinder section was completely wiped out. I mean, we went <laughs> down to the barest
1: pickings, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, hey, good for you, Paizo.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk that up in a minute. But yeah, that was pretty cool that, uh, you know, um, i see well, there was also 40k games going on there, but you know that, that's a community Probably. that we can uh talk about that there war on three fronts <laughs> you know they got the stl community you know the 3d printer community going after them they've got oh uh you know the high price of the rules and the entry level to that i mean i've, I've praised them before but i think games workshop's got a lot going on with uh their starter set which for about 200 gives you two good armies to start with uh, and which... that's a fair price considering the quality of what they're giving you they give you a lot but then everything else is really super pricey too so i mean i don't mind a steep yeah. entry price once in a while as long as you're getting a value for your buck and i think that those uh starter sets that they give you are, are quite valuable. I mean, you get two good forces out of that that provide a core start, but then to add them up to actual tournament level, ooh, another $200 each? Wow, come on, Yeah, guys. Yeah, I,
1: There, We should specify in this segment that uh, for those not too familiar with Warhammer, uh, 40k. 40k, it's... Uh, there is a far cry from having fun down at the shop with a few friends, uh, which that can be done at a very reasonable price. And we absolutely support that as a hobby. However, if you really want to go tournament level with this, I mean, that is like, that is a financial choice that you had better be emotional about. Yeah, it's
0: about, yeah, it's about uh, depending on what army you're playing, if you play uh, the standard ones that uh, win a lot, you're probably going to pay about. Maybe four or five hundred dollars. If you want to pay one of the more kind of fun to play, more numerous ones, you know, you're almost up to a thousand. Yeah, and that's not the time painting, spent painting and assembling. So that's a whole thing. But you know, yeah, well, they're also at war with their own community. So I mean, they're. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a whole ass thing, and um, you know, I, certain times like that, it's like yeah, BattleTech. I'm, I'm really glad about Battletech, and I don't know if we really mentioned a whole lot, but, you know, Catalyst Games is just... Uh, Nailing it. Yeah, oh. their uh, Battletech game is really selling well, and their miniature line is huge, and they've revamped all of them. I mean, not that the older parts of stuff doesn't hold some sentimental value for me. Oh, sure. But some of those mech designs were just hokey, and uh, they've kind of really redone them. To make them look good i mean I, they had to for certain ones because of the harmony gold robotech crossover stuff yeah. with uh yeah. Pita and uh, crusher joe
1: which we we may have mentioned in a previous episode uh on that very topic yeah but there were some legal requirements that forced them to move away but you
0: can still tell a warhammer but- is a warhammer a marauders a marauder which those are the classic mechs you know that you're on there and as well as you know the clan mechs the mad cat and uh the vulture but you know uh for a very reasonable price you know maybe if you wanted to get with a uh, the beginner set 60 bucks that gives you eight mechs and then um uh, a a lance costs you about 20 24 bucks Hmm. i mean and that's good and they've also now included the alpha strike which is a huge rules expansion allows you to play large groups of mechs very quickly so if you do want to have that large table experience, you know, here it is. But you know, beer and pretzels, uh, gaming. And speaking about that, I've been noticing uh level nine games with Kobold's Ate My Baby is also <laughs> taking a big advantage of this OTL stuff. So their meme staff is right up there with Wendy's for being savage. Just, really? Like, oh, yeah, they've been taking it out. So if you if you haven't played Kobold's Ate My Baby, all hail King Tord, you know what I'm talking about your uh, entrance code tell them Randy sent you but yeah if you uh, haven't been paying attention to that uh, you need to play some Kobold's uh, Ate My Baby if you're just yeah if you have an off night I mean
1: it's not a one page game right. per se but uh, it is one of those beer and pretzels fast furious fun uh, if you want a time killer if you want to have an evening where you laugh okay stop being And serious. die a lot Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's going to be a lot
0: of starting over but you're going to have a great time doing it. What do you mean my kobold dies? He has a 6 strength. Yeah, that uh, that fighter in plate mail, he has a 24. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you die like... He I- tripped and fell over on you, and it
1: killed you. <laughs> a 240-pound dude in plate mail just fell
0: on you, and you're, you're squashed. Roll your next kobold. Keep putting spider cider in, in front of him. He'll keep drinking. them and eventually he'll get drunk enough and pass out, and then probably you can kill him and take all his stuff and bring it back to King Tord. All hail King! Torg. All hail King Torg. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff happening in gaming that I think. I don't know if you saw my uh, post I put about the dance, the Game of Thrones, uh, the Dance of Dragons. If you saw that at all. No, I don't think I did. You know, you you gotta like Casium. I think they like to be compared to the White Walkers. Oh, oh yeah. Here I'll get it up. uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, so it so it has begun the grip of the uh, the previous king. The old king is dead. Robert Baratheon lies dead, and of course, I stole this from Derek. um, The king is dead.
1: Long live the king.
0: Yeah, uh, this came from the Role for Combat podcast. So, probably a lot of people know what I'm talking about if you saw that. But uh, the king is dead, and now begins a dance of dragons, the throne of games where the title of the world's greatest role playing game is up for grabs. Which is a coast that's squatting on the throne currently, but five seek to unseat them, and their hold on the throne is unsteady. Which is a coast are like the Lannisters, rich but despised. Critical Role powerful are powerful, like the Starks in the North, who never forget and can stain themselves. Kovale Press are like the Greyjoys, taking what they want and charting their own course. And Mike Kovale Diem is akin to Tyrell, wise and calculating, ready to assert themselves rather than live under the rule of WOTC. And Pizo are the Targaryens, inheritors of the Old Kings. They have the dragons and the orc Horde behind them. But what of Chaosium? they have always been here like the white walkers who are now moving beyond the wall that has fallen in season three and the stage is set we'll see how this unfolds in a year and a half and of course again (laughs) thanks to derek melinda for that beautiful comparison i just uh he did most of the hard lifting heavy lifting on that one but i ran with it a bit. <laughs> but yeah, that sums up pretty much where we're at with the uh, unfolding OGL drama. And uh, you know, that's the thing is it's Wizards Coast to lose on this. And if they don't play their cards right, they're going to find themselves on the outs. They're going to have, even with the D&D brand recognition, that does not necessarily mean that you will be the world's greatest role-playing game.
1: The real question is how well they weather upcoming financial difficulty. Yeah. Okay, the the question is really, are they going to panic and make terrible decisions again during a period of like financial difficulty, which is forthcoming? You know, they're mm. they're they're not going to perform as well as they hoped, uh, and if they keep their wits about them and remember that, like, okay, we're not performing as well as we hoped. Uh, but there's a difference between, like, oh, we might as well quit and go home because we're not making as much as we would like, uh, and weathering it out and building a lot of goodwill. Uh, if they're ready to weather the difficulties and build goodwill, they will recover. If something catastrophic happens, if there's a lot of idiocy at the top, then we may be looking at a whole new gamosphere in, in, over the next couple of years. I ready either way i mean my dice are going to hit the table no matter what happens so
0: <laughs> all right well that'll uh, yeah. that'll uh, end our but this... we'll, we'll keep an eye peeled for all of this <laughs> this will end our uh weekly broadcast of WOGO news and we'll just keep doing this um Hope you enjoyed our coverage and we're putting it in there if you would like us to keep it segmented you just want to skip past that and you know, get into the meat of the matter well let us know but nonetheless we're going to take a break in so we'll be back after this so stick around and welcome back all right so we're going to just tear right into it here we're talking today about pathfinder 2e and man what a rough ride this has been boy <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> God. Uh, well, let's face it. Uh, we're old enough and, and grumpy enough that any new edition of a beloved game has a certain initial annoyance level for us. Okay, they're like our opening hostility. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's close the gates! Wait. And it's actually the pretty worthy inheritor to the title Ah, open the gates a little (laughs) Got to learn new rules
0: close the gates
1: the rules are really
0: cool open the gates a little
1: (laughs) we we had to come to terms with this yeah i'm gonna but we've been through this pain before you know so it it, it's kind of like oh nobody likes having kidney stones but if you've been through it you kind of know what to expect it's still gonna suck but you're ready emotionally. Well, it's kind of like the colonoscopy. Go it, it's going to happen. Yeah. that You know, it, oh, you're going to get one. There's the middle age like crisis there. Yeah. that You know, you, you hit a certain age and that's a thing you got to do. Uh, <laughs> for the unready, it is quite traumatic. Uh, but for the old hat, it, it's you, more like,
0: you basically take a little nap <sighs> and uh, it's a lot like an alien abduction story. And <laughs> some things happen and, uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> you really have to fart really bad. So just, <laughs> oof. but yeah, you go through it and it happens. So yeah, edition changes. Now we're going to talk about, uh, some of our personal experiences. Now there's, uh, we went from first to second edition and we had to drag. I went from basic, uh,
1: which is what I, I first initially had contact with, yeah. uh, to first edition, uh, the, the original AD and D exactly. You know they, they were out at very close to the same time, uh, but the the one I first encountered was the simpler version. Uh, I was I was picking up modules,
0: I but I love that simpler version.
1: So. And I, like then, boy, like you remember the fit I had when they were getting set to go to.
0: Set. Oh, we got kicked out of a, a place trying to convince you. Cops had to be called. No, uh, they were already there. It was a donut shop. And-
1: we were having the a- intensity of the debate apparently frightened the staff like <laughs> which I admit you know uh I, I may have been indignant but like the staff I I, I gotta hand it to them that you you've got to be very emotionally fragile uh,
0: you know <laughs> they're talking about
1: d d okay
0: yeah and we're buying But anyway... Yeah, donuts
1: and coffee were not enough to allow us to be in a donut and coffee shop
0: yet. (laughs) But anyway, um, because we had a round table and we were going to settle this once and for all. and Nobody was leaving the table until we had reached a a conclusion. So, an agreement. But we did. And then, okay, second edition wasn't so bad. But still, second edition Advanced Sun Dragons wasn't really that much different from a first edition. Now... That carried on to what the mid '90s, and it just kind of like it was, it was fluttering out. You could tell that they were really hard up for ideas. They, they released the Skills and Power, Combat and Strategy, and Magic and Powers. Uh, uh, there was a window
1: stuff. period, like back at the beginning of it, where I mean the the new campaign settings were coming out thick and fast, and we were actually pretty happy. I mean, it was a well, lot yeah, of creativity
0: but when they came out with but, the Skills and Power stuff. It it complicated the game, giving each stat three substats oh. like strengths, like you know your physique. Um, I can't remember them all, but yeah, each stat had a of the six stats had a, a three substats, and each one had a different thing. I mean, it was a look; it was ambitious, and I think that if that given enough time and support, could have really taken the game into a whole new level. But it was too little, too late. Art. Well, too much, too late, and then we were in the third edition, which basically like, okay, forget everything you knew about <laughs> gaming, new game, and relearn it, and which
1: did not please me. I was like, really, really, like we had to take this sharp of a divergence. Uh, plus, I had like just the worst possible introduction, which is not like the system's fault. Uh, mm-hmm. It was that like you just happened at a, that exact moment to be. DMing a collection of the most power-gaming munchkins ever born. I, just a cadre of the most ludicrous, number-crunching, soulless dice pigs I have ever seen. I like dice pigs. Yeah. I
0: I swim with sharks, so yeah, I did. Yeah,
1: and so, like, his DMing style. This because I am an orca. This guy, across from me, has a lot of time in, in the DM chair. And he really knows how to roll with the punches. Like, these are the players I've got. Unless they do something profoundly disruptive, I'm going to work with that. And so he shows up ready to place challenges in front of them. And in comes the naive waif, just like, gosh, I I suppose I should try this new (laughs) edition. Can't be that much different. I mean it, it's I guess it's still an RPG and it's still Dungeons and Dragons. I mean they got dungeons and they got dragons and okay, I'll I'll roll up a character and,
0: oh my lord.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I literally would have killed all of them.
0: Uh the trauma that yeah. has been inflicted on you by simply showing up to a table to roll dice. But
1: yeah, I did the not third know edition that was little... You had to ratchet the le- the challenge level <laughs> up to meet the Ubermensch like super players. And I showed up completely unready and I judged the game inaccurately. I judged it based on the experience I right. had. That and nobody night. Now it,
0: it. This sucks now. You know? But anyway, so third edition happened. We got past it. As you can tell, there's still I eventually of, well, got we're it. still decompressing and dealing I, with the trauma. I kept coming back until I
1: finally got the hang of it.
0: But third edition <laughs> would go to three point five and then from three point five would go into fourth edition now we're not going to cover fourth edition everybody who listens to this podcast we, we did the, any length
1: we did the edition wars discussion right you know. we don't need to
0: we don't need to cover that we just go right straight into fifth edition and that's what we're talking about <laughs> so fifth edition the dragons arrives now i you truly do not play fifth edition i do not own and that's purely on my own i do well yes like you it. do and i am uh, i am happy to support and help Uh, the community in any way I can, whether it's through advice or just, just me being me, but that may change when Cobalt Press releases theirs, because I have a uh, deep and abiding grudge against Wizards of the Coast that um, I cannot, I do not publicly talk about. Um, If anybody ever wants to know, I will gleefully tell you uh, because I do love spilling the tea, but uh, that's a whole different story. Um, but a lot of the people are starting to leave that scene that uh, I have a personal grudge with, and it's uh, it's much more probably for the better, I think, for the game. But it's grown well, and I've really enjoyed watching not only just Critical Role in the community grow. But here we are. We're talking about Pathfinder. We're not talking about Fifth Edition D anD D, but we cannot escape. So well, we yeah we we, go ahead.
1: we basically fast tracked the origin story. How did we get here? You know, is that uh, we go back to the 3.5 era, the the huge break. Uh, where we did not take up fourth edition, either of us, uh, and when 3.5 was like basically being shut down and like put aside in favor of the new vision of like a, I assumed a more younger market friendly and DM less gaming, concept oriented, uh, more interactive experience that they they really wanted to to push there. A lot of what was original, of a lot of what seemed to us like real D anD D at the table, was disappearing in that newest edition. However, Pathfinder showed up. You know, like, a, in fact, I mean, as we sit here looking at that that title, Pathfinder, we're looking at the reason why a fifth edition even happened.
0: That uh, I think a fifth edition would have happened, but maybe oh, not inevitably. the way it did.
1: Exactly, it would not have it would not have taken the evolutionary steps backwards towards what I would think of as being an actual representation of Dungeons and Dragons. It would have continued to morph into whatever it's, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, magic, the gathering, the role playing game uh, with collectible core cards, you know, just
0: a uh, collectible rule set, Mr. Jackson. Is it going over as well as you thought? Yeah. good. So, <laughs> don't tell me how to run a game company. Yeah the
1: the notion that pathfinder saved the day might be an overstatement uh, you know it is not the reason that dnd continues to exist uh, but it had a huge impact on the shape that dnd today has taken uh, <laughs> and for that we owe it a big thank you. So, yeah, Pathfinder
0: game, came big and, and large in charge. They put out a system in less than eight months. People said it couldn't be done. They got Monty Cook involved. They whipped it together and they put out a solid playtest before it. Uh, before you really knew what was going to happen. And this is what we previously talked about the OGL and all that. And they nonsense.
1: did the, the thing that I consider great, which is uh, they had the core rule book, much like uh, Warhammer Fantasy yeah. or Stormbringer, you know, some of, some of the other smart games in the room. Not call us Thulu. Like there's one book. Okay, there's some cute little side things that pile up, you know, as addendums. But Well you needed to buy the bestiaries, You know the monsters. But you for know the DM, that's an essential. Uh but for the player, one book.
0: Yeah, it's really you're dumb. in. Yeah, if you want some of the other classes or that, yeah, you're gonna have to do. It, but for just...
1: the specialist, you know, for for the DM who wants to run a sweeping campaign with all of the data, yeah, Per all role playing games, the entry price starts to climb. But for the arriving player, for the new kid, mm-hmm. I, they did the one book and bam, you you have what you need, uh, <laughs> and it's all you'll ever need. I approved. Now. Ah, let's give it to the folks at Pathfinder. They had a nice long run,
0: uh, even though I old yeah, always... edition came, and uh, they saw the writing on the wall, and so they began to change, and they uh, expanded the rule set. Yeah. Uh, uh, to keep a pace with it, and they had to move with a whole new rule set coming up. It seems like the dog is on about our Pathfinder game, too, so... <laughs> we have the approval of Onyx. Yeah. <laughs> Very very happy. Cerberus
1: guarding the gates.
0: But yeah, they uh they started to understand that Pathfinder had to change. It was very uh Pathfinder one was very heavy. It inherited that third edition that you talked about, bloat, which system bloat, uh rules bloat. These are hazards for all games.
1: You know, there are people who speak of it high-handedly, like, oh, the thing I like never does that. Uh Look, not break your heart, unless you're playing one-page RPGs, you know, system bloat is a risk that everybody takes. Uh, Not everybody manages it as well as everybody else. Like, just rip the Band-Aid off and go, okay, it's a thing that happens. Well, Some system bloat is stuff that people, honest to God, liked, okay? Uh, I think they did a good job of keeping their arms around it, but... They fought it off as long as they could, but, like, when you go more than a decade without a new edition... That's a lot they of They were still
0: tied to the the main problems of third edition that outrage that you felt at being put with all those dice pigs and that pool of dice bleeding dice and was still there with third edition. And they recognized that and so they saw possibly what I thought at the time was a bad decision which was to completely <laughs> chuck half of the r- core rule experience.
1: I know. I, I just had the bad experience that, like, I remember the, the outlandish things you had to do to challenge that table. Okay. That the crap you went through that you had to handcraft, uh, that the, you know, templates, That you came up with, uh, or the things that you combined to raise the challenge rating. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't come down to like, yeah, like every game you face an ethereal ooze swarm. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Uh, For those who know, it was rough.
1: It was rough. He had a terrible time keeping these people challenged because I mean, they they made the highest possible use of every facet
0: of the game. Death Knight Coven. Yeah, that that. That was my thing. Vampire, uh, epic level mages, cabals.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it, that's that was our weekly games, and yeah, it was it was strenuous. It was tough. I uh, I had to do it mostly by pushed hand. You
1: to a very high level of DM writing. They really did, and I I respect that you managed, but I should not. I honestly
0: like each death I night is specialized I sh- with a different weapon. This I should have showed up
1: and listened to what was going on before I tried to jump in because just jumping in. No, not, not with the the monsters of combat
0: rock. But anyway, that was a part of the third edition problem and Pathfinder one inherited that. Now I tried to, as Mike said, deny that. Yeah, it's just a thing that happens. But I started to notice that like after running for about 12 years of Pathfinder, all my end games were exhibiting the same symptoms. Uh, there was player attrition, it was players just wanted to get to the end of it because it just it went on long enough. But the stories were engaging. That wasn't the problem. The problem was is that the system was giving was failing at that point in time. It was just too exhausted to sit down and enjoy the setting because you were having to do so much math and and rules look up. Now, you could even when we went with okay, we're just using the core rule book with this one, guys. It still ended up being a mess, and I was just like, Man, what is the problem here? But then they came out with Pathfinder Second Edition, and there were a lot of things I liked about it, but there were a lot of things I didn't like. And as we did our initial review, of a the lot of the initial discomfort, I think,
1: came from the elimination of rules bloat, which meant that a lot got sacrificed in translation
0: that couldn't be helped. Things, yeah, I couldn't find teleport at first, and then uh i got uh reprimanded it's in there and i'm like oh it's a level up oh okay why did they do that and it, it the transparency behind that wasn't as visible as it was it was a core rulebook so by the time we went to gen con that year and i went up to the paisa books to say hi to my friends they were like hey we saved a copy for you and i'm like oh yeah we were sold out thursday completely gone and i was like oh thanks <laughs> so yeah that's uh, what we had to do, but... I know
1: you were less than excited. I, I grudgingly accepted right out of the gate that, uh, well, you know, they had a very long run from, yeah. the, from their initial Once release. They had and I, I don't want to be resentful. Because, like, if you make it longer than a decade in the game business without having to buy a new edition of a game, I consider it
0: pretty good. When they came out with Pathfinder Unchained, I knew something was up. And, uh, and there was a lot of changes, but I didn't understand it. So... Now we look back. Yeah, now this OGL thing happened. And people really start showing me, like, why this is the game to go to. And I'm like, okay. The
1: structural changes that were made seem to have been, like, things that were very carefully bulletproofing them against making use of material that could be IP conquered and then held prisoner obligating them. Yeah, they changed, like, like, um,
0: the Aboleth have a whole new name. But they're still there. The Aboleth? Yeah, the, the Algolthu, or Aboleth, as some have called them in previous age. Or the Duogar have a completely different name. And so on, and so on, and so forth. Now, not all the monsters have been completely reskinned. But for the most part, the one thing uh, I liked for Pathfinder right out of the playtest was they went to a silver standard, which put a barrier between the gold and platinum, which made crafting a little easier to figure out because you weren't dealing in the raw coinage you were dealing in the fractional accounting that would often come down to so by rounding off to round numbers the four levels of success critical success failure critical failure all balanced on 10. Uh, the way that you built your character from ancestry to class to backgrounds everything plies into how you don't roll for stats you just make choices So even the most hardened dice weasel out there was still having to come out with a character that had a viable background that attached him to the world, that that they baked Galarian in there, uh, right into the rules. They didn't say, like, okay, this is one where we recommend some gods or this may take place (laughs) in your own fantasy world. They just said, screw it, this is about Galarian now, and you're here. And so the embrasure of the Age of Lost Omens, and people look at this book and they say it's 600 pages. But there's literally only, like, let's see here. Oh, oh, it is a weighty toe. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Deserves a pedestal. It does. Uh, from page, let's see, 443, playing the game, which explains all the rules. I want it bound in, you know, uh, leather. And <laughs> lettered
1: in gold. Oh, and, oh, they do have those. On the back. There should be something that looks vaguely like it might
0: once have been a tattoo. Oh yeah, the sahedron star, one <laughs> extra dark, uh, and it goes from four forty-three to four eighty-one. So yeah, about forty pages. But that's a, that's it. Explains the game. Uh, explains all the modes. I like the encounter modes from obviously combat, which can be anything from fighting to social combat exploration mode which is uh you know scouting uh, casting detect magic follow the expert scaing right? versus the area yep and also in social terms uh, it's investigation uh, uh revealing uh information and then of course during downtime mode which is retraining gathering information more succinctly crafting and making magic items how to make it swift and painless you know right and so you idea. have three modes that you can just drift seamlessly. in Yeah. And then the rest is the game master, the world, and the biggest section is, of course, the spells. But what a great book this is because it covers each section, which covers the characters, has everything you need to play that character. The feats are all there. Uh, Yes, there is a small feat section for general and uh, uh, ancestry feats, but your character, uh, your race also is a factor that goes up in here. So your ancestry really falls through. And we'll pull the pin on the goblin. Yeah, they say play the a goblin. If you know, why would you want to play a little uh sack of crap that goes around uh stealing children to eat <laughs> and setting things on fire? Um you might try to prove that you have a place among other civilized people, perhaps to your even to yourself. You fight like to, might like to play a goblin if you like to fight tooth and nail, sometimes literally, to protect yourself and your friends from danger. You might also play a goblin if you like to lighten the heavy emotional burdens others carry and amuse yourself with pranks and antics. And others probably work to ensure you don't accidentally or intentionally set too many things on fire. (laughs) Assume you can't or won't read because they think words are evil and wonder how you survive given your ancestry's typical gastronomic choices, reckless behavior, and love of fire. And so they've made goblins a core choice with some caveats that, you're going to have some problems playing this. People are not going to like you. A lot of people
1: expressed an an interest in playing or having them in their party and statted out as as player characters because so many people had so much fun with like goblin NPCs. Uh, They're great for DM comic relief, but these are things that I personally think ought to be tightly
0: reined in. Yeah. Uh. But now you can play a goblin that is a different one, and each you know class has different ways to play. Like a bard, now you not only decide, hey, like I play a musical instrument for a living. What kind of virtuoso are you? Do you are you an orator? Are you a singer or a composer? Or are you just a simple performer given a muse? <laughs> or are you half work armpit percussion? Exactly. So. Yeah, uh, we'll probably at some point make uh, ourselves, set ourselves up as two first-level half-orc bars.
1: Performing our number one hit, The Couch That Burped.
0: <laughs> and my personal favorite, Ubrung ink Salad Sandwich. Uh, roll out the owlbear. Yes, <laughs> roll out the owlbear. All right, yeah, so Pathfinder 2... Um, has a lot of innovations but it also is a lot thicker than D fifth edition which made was a curious choice for me i was like what are you guys doing man i mean uh, i get it why do you want to go simpler but it seems like you threw out the baby with the bathwater in this one and so now given a second look um yeah i'm starting abomination vaults with my group monday and oh, uh, bravo yeah uh, also Wednesday, so I'm going to run them side-by-side side and see how the campaigns compare. Abomination faults. Yeah, that's right on the shelf. I do not know that one. Well, yeah, that's a level up entry yeah. 1 through 10.
1: Interesting. So that's kind of an open acknowledgement that uh, you know, like they're not aiming for the, like, oh gotta go all the way to 20th level.
0: Some of them do, some of them don't,
1: and this is... I like that. That's a smart move on their part. Do they because... did it with Starfinder, you noticed where the drift was, which was at the very highest threshold level of gaming. Uh, People seemed to have the greatest level of trouble. So maybe not a bad idea to build campaign paths that when they come to the close and victory has been achieved, like it's well before 20th
0: level. But it seems like Pathfinder, and I'll I'll note for myself, plays better at high levels. There's not that discrepancy. For instance, some of the DCs, go up much more exponentially, because, like, let's face it, the Vorpal Sword in Pathfinder had a Fortitude save DC 20 to avoid being decapitated. For a character that would have a Vorpal Sword at that level, which was 15th through 17th level, at least, at the earliest, most the monsters and creatures are fighting, rolling over a 20 with all their Fortitude saves, not a problem, especially a dragon. You're never going to, unless it rolls a natural one, which, I mean, yeah, that's a 5% chance. Now, 37. And, yeah, still that can be a pretty hard one for most monsters to, uh, to avoid. But it has secondary effects. They balanced it a lot more to the end game, which I don't think 3rd edition, that was one of the problems. It just didn't balance to the high-level game. They got it to, like, a certain point. And they said, yeah, that's good enough. Nobody's going to play past 10th, 12th level anyway. Who cares? Who cares? Oh, boy, they got that wrong. Yeah, they did. And then when they tried to do stuff with Epic Level and all that, whew, yeah, but, but you do see, like, with Owlcat Games, like the Kingmaker Adventure Pass, which is also sitting on the shelf for a second edition. goes yes. all the way to 120, and it plays pretty darn well. So from what I've heard from a lot of people that played it with second edition, plays it, it holds up. So I'll see for myself, but uh, I'm encouraged by what I have. So this is kind of like a, you know, we've talked about the Pathfinder uh, system. If you're curious, you can look up a lot of how to's. Uh, I would definitely suggest getting the humble bundle. Uh, So you want to play Pathfinder for five bucks. And you you know, five bucks gives you, what here, uh, seven items, which is the second edition beginner box, uh, the core rule book, be sure one, the character sheet pack, the player character pawn collection, the Lost Omens World Guide, and a one-shot called Sundered Waves for five bucks. You know, if you're ever curious, do it. Um, you can, of course, spend as much as you like. You know, go all the way up forty dollars, but twenty-five is your nominal buy-in for everything else. So, um, which gives you whoa, that's a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, too quick to count. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah, that gives you 28 items. So yeah. 28 and, for 25. Yeah, and also Cobalt presses humble bundle too. If you're worried about that, uh you want to play some fifth edition material and you don't uh wanna you might get a good uh fresh influx of good stuff, check out uh cobalt presses uh fifth edition humble bundle. So anyway, uh we're not gonna wrap it up because we have another little thing here we wanna put in. Oh, yeah. I think we got enough time to slip it in. But that's what we wanted to say about Pathfinder. So thanks to Mike for helping me out on this one. I really appreciate uh, your support. But before we go, we want to mention, uh, just want to focus. I mean, okay. Uh, I mean, I just want to take a look. Right. 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 No, All right. I, we we're wanna, just going to talk about gaze. RPG Cafe Corner here. Yeah, yeah. A cozy, cozy, cozy corner. Surf, safe, safe place. Uh, it's happy. It's happy in here. And we're going to talk about a uh, new Kickstarter out. Uh, Harn World will put it up on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, it's coming out with their RPG setting hardback. And it already... Uh, wow, it's already funded. 26975 yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it has not been up for very long. So... Yeah, and uh, in this one, you're going to get, for $69, a 256-page book for the Harn World. And it includes uh, not only the Harn World and the Harn Index, but it includes the contents of Kisira, Lysia, and the cities and towns, along with Physical Map, and it has a PDF version. The Harn Index is an alphabetical general reference source book for Game Masters using Harn World as an RPG setting, and includes geographical entries... Economic and guild entries, something that Mike would definitely like, along with the religions and gods, cultural and political entries, and well, as a note on pronunciation for me, because I am terrible at hard world pronunciations. (laughs) (laughs) That's because
1: they, man, you know, they they never met a word that uh, didn't need some umlauts and yeah, like a couple of emphases and yeah, uh, just every opportunity to uh, throw that in there. They're happy to do it, which lends a certain air of authenticity. It's like reading medieval French or Latin or this or that or the other thing. How do you pronounce that? Okay, that feeling is pretty authentic. But we've covered Harn. Not necessarily enjoyable all of the time. But hey, we've talked about Harn before. And this is a heck of a good deal and an outing from a trustworthy source.
0: It's a 40th anniversary edition and well worth picking up. Definitely yeah. suggest getting this one and helping out to find folks over at Columbia Games because Harn is one of the great undiscovered and best kept secrets in RPG history, along with Glorantha and uh, Forgotten Realms and all the others. So good stuff, but I think that's going to do it for us. We're running out of time here, so the countdown has begun. But anyway, like us on our. Uh, support us on our podcast if you like like us follow us on facebook and do all those fun things but until next time we're gonna just uh, roll the credits here so may the the dice dice. always Always roll in your your favor.
1: favor we're out
0: see ya